0: Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev.
1: Hey now, and welcome to episode 16 of the Land Jam Podcast, a midsummer night stream.
0: That's right. I think uh, the summer solstice was on Friday, right So Yes,
1: it was, and our last episode was in spring. And so, I, I, yeah. are we going with this, like, weather theme thing going on? You know, like, what's what's happening?
0: Yeah, well, uh, hopefully not. Hopefully, uh, we'll uh, we'll keep up with the more rigorous schedule. But, uh, yeah, summer's in full swing. And uh, what better way to enjoy the outdoor weather than to be indoors and talk about
1: watches? Indeed. I mean, I did celebrate the summer outside early in the day with the barbecue. So... Look at
0: you. Most American thing you can do.
1: Or the most Canadian thing you can do. Come on,
0: get real! Aren't you? Isn't it just a big friggin' frozen ice cube up there?
1: Oof! <laughs> Coming from the guy who has embraced Toronto as his second home, my
0: adopted city.
1: That's right. Yes, adopted city of Toronto, followed his by another adopted city of Chennai. But...
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, getting back into the watch game, and uh, I've ha- I actually have a new watch.
1: Yep. new watch
0: alert. New watch alert. And uh, I've had it for about a month. And uh, that's how uh, poor our scheduling has been for this show that it's actually been a month since I've gotten it. But uh, Uh,
1: I I would give it a (laughs) thorough review since our last episode. I mean, you have taken it to places. You have worn it on a daily basis.
0: You know, it's like when someone has a new kid and then by the time you show up to like meet the kid. The kid's already, like, getting into college. Like, this is what, this is the same situation. (laughs) (laughs) Good to see you. Yeah, You've grown quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah.
1: How old are you now? 18? Fantastic.
0: Fantastic. Perfect timing. (laughs) So, yeah, I think I've hinted at this watch before because it was actually on my uh, wish list for a while, and I I spoke about... uh, Okay, so... You know, let's get the mystery out of the way. It's the Newmark uh automatic, sorry, Newmark flight chronograph. And the reason I say flight and not RAF is that I got the Newmark HS chronograph, which mm-hmm. is the, the bi-compacts RAF chronograph, but with a white background. Um and this is actually the second model that Newmark uh released in that same line. Uh, The history being the black model was issued to RAF pilots, and then the white model, um, I'm not even sure if Newmark even made a white HS. So HS is hydrological service. That's the service that the government department that's um, responsible for the Royal Navy's pilots, like what their equipment is like. Gotcha. So – this this watch is the same uh, watch uh, sort of paying homage to the Royal Navy uh fighter pilots, you know, and actually submarine service too, their watches. And um uh La Mania was big in that game, uh, between the forties and sixties. So World War II pilots into the sixties would be uh pilots and submarines into the sixties would wear these HS, these whited out chronograph, uh bicompax chronographs. So um it's an interesting little twist. Um but obviously the base model you know is one of the fabulous four the 1970s fabulous four you know quote fabulous four um that people kind of uh hunt ebay for these days uh the four companies that had this original chronograph uh contract were cwc persista hamilton and newmark uh, right
1: which... so right now with the fabulous four this three sort of you know they survived or reinvented themselves gone bust but come back which are what cwc hamilton and newmark is persista still around or is that
0: persista is actually back um they make dive watches still i'm not sure if they're making the chronograph um but i think if you go to time factors i actually look this up so if you go to time factors it's actually a british watch website and there's a lot of um surplus gear and they have persisto watches there um a lot of them are out of production or don't there's no stock anymore so i'm not sure if the company is still around but you're right um you know a lot of these it's it's interesting to see these names because they're obviously names that all kind of had to survive the quartz crisis and you know you're, you're looking at, at watches that Um, So the reference for that contract was the 6BB, you know, RAF contracts. Um, So these, you know, again, by compacts in black, um, those original watches by all four companies had the same movement in it. The value of 7733. And, you know, the funny thing is Newmark was the smallest of the four companies when they got the contract and actually only made 500 by 1980 when that contract ended and lapsed. Um, And, the MOD, the Ministry of Defense, actually chose uh, the Seiko quartz chronograph as a replacement, that 7828, uh, which I absolutely love. And Sanjay, I've, I've been showing you pictures, and those are actually have quite a price tag on them right now, um, the Generation 1 7828 RR chronographs. Um, but of the Fabulous 4, you know, these have become kind of cult classics. Um, so if you look on eBay for an original, you could, you're going to be paying close to $3,000, Um and... Which is
1: actually not too bad. I mean, some of these, you know, old vintage watches, you know, go through the roof, right? I mean, for example, um, you always come back to this watch, the Daytona, like the classic Daytonas. You know, for something that has, you know, the original Chronos that has seen some, you know, that is being used in, in the military, to come to close to $3,000, it's actually not that bad, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I. I... I... You know, I think if you have an issued piece of kit from back then that even has the stamping date and all that stuff on it. Um, yeah. I mean, that just shows authenticity. And, you know, issued kit is like a whole rabbit hole if you go into eBay or, you know, the the, the auction market, you know, it's it's a real insanely deep black hole. Um and Rolex, obviously, you know, the, the Rolex, uh, I think it's the 5513, those like SBS divers, you know, these big 70s massive submariners that they used to issue to uh, combat divers, like stuff like that goes for like $100,000. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. It's actually what the version that the Steinhardt uh, Ocean Vintage Military, uh, that's the version that they
1: they recreated. Um, so Rolex doesn't Which make is a killer matter. watch. I mean, that that look, that. It just screams vintage.
0: Yeah, it just looks seventy submariner, and it's like the quintessential military submariner. It's like you know, right out of you know central casting. So, it's a really cool watch. Um, but yeah, so if you want one of the originals, you know, that's what you're going to pay. You know, pay about three thousand dollars. Now, going back to Newmark, you know, they didn't survive the quartz crisis. You know, they went under, and uh, they they were dead till uh, uh, an engineer, actually, a guy named Ewan Wilson from England, Cheltenham. Uh, which is the home of Smith's watch company, if you know what Smith's is, Um, acquired the name in 2016. So he bought the rights to the name, and he launched a Kickstarter campaign in 2018. And basically, his his plan was to start with one watch, which is the Newmark 6BB. So, you know, background on Wilson, you know, he's an engineer, big aviation fan, used to live by an RAF airfield. And he wanted to make the new Mark Six PB, you know, come back to life, and also kind of accessible to people because you know three thousand dollars is, is you know, it's a hefty bunch of ch- ch- you know chunk of change, and it's not for everybody, and especially right. for a, a mark that's dead. Um, so you know, so he did. He he made a couple choices, and one of the choices is look, you know, there's no way you can put a Valju seventy-seven thirty-three movement into a watch, and you know, not have it at least a thousand plus, right? So. Or the equivalent of that movement so he chose to do and this is going to be controversial Sanjay. i I know this i know what you're going to say but i you know let me finish uh he put in a vk64a seiko mecha quartz movement um so it is not an automatic movement
1: um but the well you know what i think we'll you know you're going to talk more of it at the end of it but uh the snob watch guy in me is already just, like, zoned out right now. Yeah. yeah. So the, I, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> there's, Carry a cu- on. there's a
0: couple of mitigants, okay? So, first of all, you know, visually, there's nothing that would indicate as a quartz. There's no There's no ticking seconds hand. There's no seconds hand at all. The register at 9, right, shows time elapsed. And the register at 3 gives you a 24-hour indicator yeah. of the clock. So, it tells you a.m. and p.m. But there's no actual running seconds hand. And that was actually a choice that he made because of uh, it being a, yeah, a mecha Quartz movement that he, he said, look, you know, this is going to be a turnoff for most people. And it probably was a turnoff for him. And he, he made the call of saying, if you don't need it, you don't need it. You're not going to miss it. Um, so you wouldn't know. And then when you actually engage the, the chronograph, it's a clean sweep. There's no ticking. It looks like a, and the mecha quartz is a mechanical quart, uh, chronograph actuated by, you know, a, a quartz movement, quartz battery. Um, so for all intents and purposes, you don't see that it's a quartz at all. You know, it,
1: it just behaves like a mechanical watch. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I give I give, you know, Wilson and his decision to go mecha quartz, which is, you know, to to kind of get the feel of uh, a mechanical watch, you know he could have go jump he could have gone with the regular quartz with the jumping seconds yeah
0: and you know frankly if he did i i wouldn't have bought it and if there was a ticking seconds hand i wouldn't have bought it because it, 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 i just found it distracting and i would just feel like it it's not it's too far from the original but yeah you know i think this works because you've got a mechanical chronograph movement so okay that works and then second, you don't see a tick. So for all intents and purposes, it could be an automatic. Who knows? You know, some watches don't have seconds hands. So that's not that crazy. Um, so it, it really doesn't bother me. You know, At first, when I thought in theory, it did. But when you, the only time you'd ever see it, see a tick, you don't see it. So you know, it doesn't bother me at all. And the interesting thing is how he did it. All right? So like he actually didn't even have a Newmark 6BB chronograph. So he had to track down an original owner. In Northern England, he went to this guy's house and he brought a, a digital camera, and he took photographs 360 degrees to the slightest minutiae, Okay, like he is counting hash marks on the crown, like how many? Wow, yeah. And he got that count down. You know, I don't know what it, it. The article mentioned it was like 24 or something. Like he he came down to that kind of uh, that kind of detail. The, the interesting thing was he even needed to go to a special typographer to get the the logo exactly the same that Newmark used sizing wow. font everything so he had to go yeah. to a guy and do a one off uh, but that's the that's a level of detail that he put into it you know the case the handset the crown the dial everything was made from scratch nothing was off the shelf from china he he commissioned everything um, he reverse engineered the font like i mentioned and the cool thing is he didn't put sapphire on on the on the crystal he's using domed plexiglass consistent with the originals, you know so you, you've you've got a watch that's got a very strong like vintage feel to it
1: um oh for sure i mean the if you you know to the listeners out there uh, this the screams vintage um and you know it's 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 got that classic pilot watch look to it, you know um we're not talking about like the like a true Flieger watch, but you know when when the chronographs became more. Issued out to the military. This is one of them, you know? Yeah. I, I actually dig it. And, and what's the price on one of these things?
0: It's like 300 bucks. Wow. Yeah. It's like 300 bucks. Um, uh, so as I mentioned, currently only the HS chronograph is on sale. Um, but uh, the original RAF1 is going to come back because of demand. I guess a lot of people have asked for it to come back after the limited run. So, um uh, Ewan said that he will bring it back for that. And he's actually all, already working on a Kickstarter campaign for their Newmark uh, skin diver. So he's got a skin diver uh, that he's designed, I think two of the, two of them, very 70s thin. Um, it's a very attractive skin diver. I've got to say, it, it looks really nice. Um, uh, but I think it's a historical mark that Newmark also did back in the day. So he's bringing that uh, back next. And, um, Yeah, you know, that's the watch. And I got to tell you, you know, I I have the non-traditional choice, right? Like, I think if you want this style of watch, you're going to go for the standard black RAF issue, Fabulous 4, you know, the traditional one. Yeah, and
1: you were debating about this, whether to go this one or… Yeah, Yeah. you know, and
0: two factors came in. One, every watch I have has a a black face. (laughs) So, you know, there's not a lot of variation in the collection, so there's that. And two, you know, there is a history here. It's not an, you know, a arbitrary, let's make one black, let's make one white. You know, you know, these were the watches that were issued to the Navy side of operations. And, you know, there's a precedent there, which I, which I really like. And, uh. Yeah, you know, as far as my review and you know thoughts on the on the piece, I, I love it. I think it's very utilitarian. Uh, even the packaging and everything was what you would expect if you were a fighter pilot. So it came in a little cardboard box. It was wrapped in wax paper, and it came with a manual. And each every single manual has is individually numbered and signed uh, by Ewan. So um, it, it was a really cool presentation, I and mean, you just get a feeling that you're getting something really special. Um, and yeah, I I mean, and I got to tell you, the loom is fantastic on it. Like, you you know, you would walk from one bright room to a dark room and your, your hand's glowing. Yeah. That's Um, your
1: like torchlight.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really nice. So yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's, um, you know, I'm a big fan of making things accessible to a lot of people that, you know. You don't have to buy a crap watch. You don't have to buy a Daniel Wellington. You know, you can if you look, you can get something for a really good price and a good value. And this is a this is a fantastic watch with a lot of history. And you know, it's a chronograph and it's legit. And it, I I have nothing but good things to say. I love it. Um, I hope you and Skin Diver you know hits it out of the park. Um, I'm actually gonna, I'll put a link in the show notes to the the kickstarter campaign if people want to check that out um but yeah i have nothing but good things to say it's been fantastic and and the chronograph movement you know for my first mecha quartz it's very smooth it's it's great
1: yeah i mean you know you, you were you know this is where i said give you the benefit of the doubt for the listeners out there because for the price and it's it's technically one can say is like a limited edition i mean this is not
0: yeah, so I, scale
1: production. I think um, the
0: HS is going to be limited as well. I'm not sure if the website right now says there's a limited set of pieces, but I, I don't... If the original RAF1 was limited, I would assume this one's limited as well.
1: Right. I mean, like, this is coming from a guy who's, you know, trying to do the best to recreate a watch, um, you know, as, as best as possible with, you know, an accessible price. So, yeah, I, I can, you know, it's, it's fine using a cords. I mean... I have no issue. I you mean, know, yeah, it's, it's the only a... it's the only way to keep it at a reasonable price because exactly, like if you put a chronograph automatic mm-hmm. module onto this thing, it's going to be drive up the price by like at least five six hundred bucks,
0: yeah, if not close to a thousand. Actually, he yeah. was actually looking at Seagull, so initially he was looking at a Seagull movement, and he couldn't. He had dependability issues with it. He was not confident on the movement, so he went with Seiko Meccachords and you know and another angle to this is look you know this watch eventually was replaced by a Seiko chronograph so it's not that crazy <laughs> to to have yeah, the, mean, you know a Seiko yeah
1: yeah i mean this is the kind of watch which has that vintage look but also it's playful in the way that you can throw like a bunch of different colored nato straps and it'll go extremely well with any color basically
0: yeah yeah and actually uh, speaking of straps they actually included two straps uh, one very standard NATO strap, uh, but the the cool one is this nylon khaki strap with a leather um, piece on the inside where where it touches your skin. It okay. is very comfortable and kind of like really rugged um, i It almost looks like something you know uh, uh, Indiana Jones would wear or you know something like that it it was it's really unique. it was a piece that i didn't expect was even going to come with a watch. I'm sure Ewan could have charged something extra for it, but uh I'm cool. glad
1: he didn't because it's fantastic. Funny you say that because I'm gonna talk about a watch that didn't do that. And you'll be shocked even with the price. But okay, so, let's see. What do you got? Um well I'll bring it up now. I mean not now, but um probably my second watch I'm gonna talk about.
0: Okay before then, that, then save um, it. yeah, what what do you yeah, what, let's what do you save got like?
1: Okay. So, so before that, uh, just before I start off, what do you think you see as an improvement to the watch? Like any flaws that you think or anything that you were, mm, maybe they can work on this. Like a, you know, constructive criticism, let's just say.
0: You know, to be honest, I, I'm, I've been thinking about that since I got it. Um, and I, I can't think of anything, you know, and I, that's not a, a cop out. I feel like he paid a lot of attention to detail. And to the point that the stamping on the back of the case back is consistent to, you know, the model numbers that these guys were issued to the, you know, the dome plexiglass. He could have easily gone with a sapphire, you know, glass and, you know, no one would have said anything. But the fact that he took that extra mile to get some plexiglass to put in there. um, Yeah, you know, I, I really can't say anything. I think I think the font is great. I, I, I love the layout. And look, you know, he, the HS chronograph, as far as I know, Newmark actually didn't make one right these are lamania chronographs that are of the same you know contract but i'm not sure newmark even made one so he had to make one almost from scratch uh, that's my understanding so uh, it's it's fantastic and i and i love the hands if you, if you look at the newmark chronograph hands they're really unique and they look really cool um, so yeah you know i i really can't i don't have anything bad to say i i think it's fantastic
1: yeah and that's a true testament to Getting this watch because you are thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what matters most.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because you know, we're both I don't want to say watch knobs, but like, you know, a quartz watch is you know, we, we kind of thumb our frowned upon. Frowned yeah. upon. But it's kind of nice, you know, when you decide to wear it that the time's already there and you you just yes. slap it on and go, right? You don't oh, have to think about it. So
1: there's many a time where I just put the my watches on and then forget that it needs a, a wind up. Yeah. Realize.
0: Yeah. 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 And I mean, you don't have that issue with this, you know. It's it, the 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 really the only limitation here is that I I don't want to beat it up and I don't want to scratch up the plexiglass, so I'm trying to be careful with it.
1: But excellent. You know, it's, yeah, it's very no, convenient. I mean, you know, it's awesome. So I would highly
0: recommend it. And if anyone. Is interested in the RAF version, the black one, which is the traditional Fabulous Four. Uh, I think it's coming back. So I got an email. I'm on the Newmark mailing list, and you and said that uh, because of demand, they're going to have another limited run. So if if you're in the mood for a fantastic vintage, you know, flight chronograph for around three hundred bucks, I can't recommend it enough.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right. Looking forward to what comes up in the Newmark lineup.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm going to be following these guys, so I'll give you guys updates. But I'll put the Kickstarter campaign to the new Newmark diver as well,
1: so people can take a look at that. So, now All right. What do you got, watch, No watch alert on my end, but watch interest as always. Yeah. What do you got? So, the watch I'm going to talk about is the Alpina Sea uh, Strong Diver 300, okay. or the Alpina GMT Sea Strong uh, 300. Oh boy.
0: Um, All right, yeah.
1: go on. Uh, right. So I'm pretty sure you looked at the first picture that yep. came up. <laughs> yeah. And to the listeners out there, Tommy has some some huge reservations about owning a bronze watch. Yeah. Having a bronze watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, this is not exactly uh, a brown watch. Um, you can get it in different flavors and stainless steel or uh, titanium and bronze pvd coating so it's not a true bronze this is pvd coated bronze
0: got it okay
1: i mean i think it's just to keep the price at an affordable level um, so which i'll talk about in a minute um so the one cool thing is that the Alpinas is offering in a variety of combinations um you can get it in gray blue or mm-hmm beige, dial, bezel combinations. They're they're making a a variety, which is kind of nice. Okay. Um, It takes cues from the other line of Seastrong, the Seastrong 10. Um, The one thing is that it's got a unique dial to it. And to me, it looks like something that if, like from a Zinn, or if you were having a dive watch, which is... Takes cues from like say the military or aviation industry, I think it will look exactly like this. Um, so the unique features is that it's got a like a crosshair um, in the dial itself.
0: Interesting. And okay.
1: Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, I did say it was a GMT, which it isn't. It's, I believe it's just a strong. And the one unique thing is yeah it does come in a variety of features it has the
0: C-strong yeah
1: yeah the C-strong it's an automatic movement it's an AL525 um so Alpina makes in-house movements but this one on the other hand is not one um, again i guess it's to keep the price at a affordable level
0: what is the wait, what is the AL525
1: is that just an ETA it, so what i, I did or a little Salida? bit of research yeah, yeah it's based on a Salida movement okay I mean, it's not bad. I mean, I, I really don't There's care for these wrong things. With yeah, no, nothing, absolutely not. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, but I mean, if they had to, they can throw in their their own movement in there, but it'll drive up the price. But I, I mean, I mean pl- wait, hang
0: on. I, I think all their movements are just ETA or Salida. Do they make their own actual? They say. Movement?
1: I wonder if it's like a tag warrior thing where they say it's in-house caliber, but they bought rights to, like, say, Seiko movements.
0: And they like do, like, one or two modifications or something?
1: Yeah. Okay. I. I but don't correct me if I'm wrong. I did not research in detail. Yeah, to be
0: honest, I'd be happy if they just said Solita yeah. because is great. Okay,
1: yeah. The one other unique thing is the case. It is pretty large. It's 44 millimeters. Ooh. But to me, the, the the design of the case, I mean, if you look oh. at it, it kind of looks like uh, the Seiko Samurai. So That's it, what I was think.
0: thinking, too. Exactly. From the top.
1: Yes. Yeah. And the one cool thing with the, yeah. the case is from when you go from the lugs yeah. to the case where the bezel is around it, it's, it's stepped.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, and if you go for the PVD coating, it's got this unique uh, chap. I want to say chaptering. But a unique pattern on the crown, which is again like a hallmark of the Seiko Samurai, where you had the uh, the cross uh, hatching on the got the, it the crown. yes yeah yes.
0: for the grip yep
1: yep okay and if you look at the pictures um uh, so we'll post a one on one article uh, the lume looks fantastic it looks like it can light up a a room itself. Um, uh, and the other thing is that it's got very hints, little bits of color. Like if you get the, like say the gray, the gray dial with the beige uh, sort of fake patina um, markings, it, it, it's got like say the red arrow on the one hand of the second hands. So it really stands out. I mean, you, it no, also happens...
0: Now that you mentioned that, you know, the hour hand actually kind of blends in with the markings. Don't you think so? It's like not as apparent. Like the the minute's hand with the red pops out, and I I like that. But what do you think about that? Do you think, I mean, if you look at at the watch in a glance, do you think you could tell the time very
1: quickly? That's a good question, actually. It's hard for me to see. I mean, I have to buy the watch to really give it a good thorough test. Okay,
0: Sanch, quick test. Close your eyes, then open your
1: eyes and tell me the time. <laughs> it's all showing ten o'clock. Okay. Ten ten.
0: Okay. Okay. So I guess it works. Yeah. All right.
1: Um, the price is decent. I mean, it's fourteen hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, but I mean for something that can go three hundred meters, um, has a variety of combinations that you could choose from. Yeah. I, I, I really dig the, the the look of the watch. I mean, I'm sure you would take the the titanium, black bezel, non-bronze PVD-coated one. You know, I, I, th-
0: yeah, you know, I wouldn't take the bronze, obviously, but I think, you know, I think you've hit it right on the nail is that it reminds me a lot of the samurai, and it scratches that itch, you know, and uh, I like it. I like the steeped case. Um, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say that the hour hand and the markings just look too close together. Um, I'm not sure if that's really the most visible way to do that, but, um, yeah, you know, I I think it's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. I I have no issues with it. You know, Alpina is solid. I've always liked their chronographs. So, uh, it's good to see one of their divers.
1: Yeah, for sure. And with this one, you get both a strap and, uh, either if you take the strap with the bracelet, it'll come with a rubber strap.
0: Wait, wait, there's more. Okay. Nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the what, what I like about this this collection is the variety that you can choose from. You know, nice. normally they'll, you know, typically when watches when they release a new line or addition of a line, they usually release it in like one maybe two different flavors. This right. you can get like as far as 5 or something like that.
0: Nice. And yeah, I mean, did you mention the exhibition case back? That's pretty cool.
1: Yes, I was gonna leave that as the last, but yeah, the exhibition Ooh, case. Sorry, I your thunder. Yeah. Uh yeah, and I'm gonna talk about my next watch, which is also a diver. Um, I really dig, I really dig how they managed to put an exhibition case back on a dive watch. I mean, these things are certified to go 300 meters or even more, but yet you can still marvel at the back of the watch. Okay. I don't know, like, do you, do you care for little things like that? No,
0: I don't care for the exhibition case back. I, I, actually, I actually think it's, it's a bad, I mean, from a design perspective, from a technical perspective, an exhibition case back is bad for a dive watch. It's an additional point of failure, right? So it why is, but, I mean, you would put an exhibition public. case back on a dive watch makes no sense.
1: Yeah, but the deepest you're going to go is six feet in a pool with this watch. For the common
0: fair, person, fair, but still, it's not the point of failure. Like, w- no one's looking at the back of, like, unless you have like a, you know, one of those like uh, I don't know, Vacheron Constantin or Audemars Piguet that do like uh, the whole movement on a single plate of metal, so like it looks like it's floating in air. So when you look at it, you can look to the other side. Like, unless you're doing oh, something right. yes, yes, really yes. highly technical you know, like that, I, why, what are you looking at? You're looking at basically the the spinning rotor. I don't know. It, it's a good idea. If you like it, fine. As, if you're happy, that's fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to poop on it.
1: You just pooped on it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean, actually do you have anyone with a clear exhibition case back in your collection? Do you have any watch out there? Zero. I've got zero watches because yeah.
0: I like all tool watches
1: with a purpose
0: and they're this not is a tool privilege. watch with a purpose. I mean, if you got an exhibition case back, I mean, come on.
1: There's nothing wrong.
0: You know, it's like wearing a half sleeve shirt to work. It's just wrong. It just doesn't, it, it works. It's still a shirt, you're still covered, but Something just doesn't fit.
1: You know what I mean? So you're insulting like the 60s era of work fashion. It, I mean, it died for a reason. That's all I'm going to say. I bet you it's going to come back. You know, <laughs> Everything always comes back. I'm going to make it a statement. Oh,
0: God. The same project Apollo. All right. I don't yeah. think so. It's I'm going to wear Apollo fashion. That's
1: what I'm gonna
0: call it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well,
1: that's pretty. Uh, that's something I liked. How, I liked
0: it. You know. All things considered.
1: Yes. For once in a while, we come to agreements of watches that we like. Yeah, I really no. It, I mean, it's not my first on the list, but it's not a bad watch. I'll give you that much.
0: But I think, I have a feeling the next one you're going to really like, Sanch. All right. Give it. All right. So this is the new collection from Grand Seiko. All right. This is the Four Seasons collection. It's a US exclusive. Basically, it's four watches, one for each season. Um, all four are cased with that sort of. I don't want to say standard, but like the the famed quote forty two GS Grand Seiko case, uh, which they use for their earlier Grand Seiko models. Um, very quickly, the spring and winter are you brush know t- brush titanium uh, case and bracelets. With um, this one, uses a, the nine R sixty five spring drive movements, which are absolutely awesome and technically a wonder in my opinion. And that's spring and winter. So summer and fall is, instead of titanium, they're using steel, but with the Zarutsu polishing um, and that high beat 9S85 movement. So uh, spring and winter use the spring drive and summer and fall use the high beat. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So as far as colors go, so, you know, all the cases are the same, but they've got a bit of a theme going here. So the spring one is kind of like a pale pink, you know, it's supposed to remind you of flowers. Uh, The winter one is like titanium gray. supposed to remind you of snow. Um, Summer is actually like a green, kind of like the Alpinist watches, which I think is really cool. Um, And fall is is like rich blue, you know, uh, with the silver hands. Um, I got to tell you, you know, it's kind of a dress watch, but, you know, they they look awesome. These are the the first dress watches that I'm like, wow, that's actually kind of cool. What do you think?
1: I if I were to pick, it would be the fall one with the blue dial, and is you like that the fall it? one. Yeah, I I like yeah. the winter. I like
0: the winter one with the with you like the, the winter
1: with the white. It's dial. got like yeah the white dial, and what's unique on the white dial? I mean, I, I don't know if you just mentioned it now, um, but it's got that snowflake pattern.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it reminds you of the of the Grand Seiko snowflake. So I, which I I really like. So yeah, it's uh both movements are bulletproof. You know, obviously. Spring drive is, is a very special technology. You know, only Seiko has it. It's it's pretty killer, and I that's on my list one day to get a spring drive movement. So you know that's with an uh, exhibition case back. <laughs> forget <laughs> it. What are you, you going to show me? What are you going to show me? A battery? Um, and the the other two have the high beat, which is also really cool. Um, you know, high beat. Um, obviously, you know, with a high beat movement, you you kind of trade away. So you know, the, the faster you, you beat the movement. More wear and tear on the movement. More likely, you'll have to get a service, but you're also, you know, going for more accurate, right? So that's right. kind of the trade-off between the two. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of spring drive, so I, I really want to want to get one. That's actually on my wish list. Um, but yeah, okay. So which one would you pick? You picked the fall. The one fall.
1: Yeah, there. with the blue dial. And is that a beige gold second hand?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Yep.
1: I guess it's to match the uh, the Grand Seiko logo. Um,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. What's the damage on these? So these this puppies match. go for six thousand three hundred a piece. Oof. Yeah,
0: yeah. Retail. But hey, look, you know, in a couple of years, once once the hubbub's gone, you know, maybe you could pick one up for two two, $2 five something like that. That's a very good deal, and especially for Grand Seiko, you know, um, spring drive movement. You know, those things can go on for a long time. and uh, Oh, definitely. I mean, you have active.
1: to understand yeah. that Grand Seiko is way up there with the be- very best of the Swiss. You know, it's it's an excellent um, finishing. You know, it, in a sense, it's kind of like a limited edition. I won't say limited edition, but a low-volume product because it's finally, you know, it's taken time and it's done assembled together and polished by the, the very best of... the Watchmakers and well, Seiko's lineup, but now we know, all know Grand Seiko is spun off.
0: So but, I, yeah. I'm I'm going to go on a little tangent right here. All right, so forgive me. Um There's been quite a bit of talk, and actually, I don't know if you watch Bark and Jack on YouTube, Sanchez. Do you watch that channel at all? The watch channel Bark and Jack with no, Adrian. Anyway, uh he's a Rolex nerd, and he he went to a dinner with Rolex, and he, they were talking about how. Um, Rolex was saying, yes, you know, look, there are shortages of Rolex watches. We are not planning on increasing production and especially for the steel sports watches that people actually want, which Uh, is
1: surprising because, you know, Rolex do make a lot of watches.
0: Yeah. And I, and I look, I think part of the strategy is a scarcity strategy. So like they want you to want and sit on a wait list. They, you know, if you want a Datejust, you can get a Datejust tomorrow. But if you want a Daytona or if you want a, a a Submariner or whatever, you're gonna have to wait. Um And you know, you have that strategy which Rolex does. And here you have Grand Seiko. Who, you know, if you wanted to get one of these watches, you could probably go into the boutique and pick one up. And if if not, have a very short wait. But you know, I I think they're available. You know, once they're out, yeah. al- once they're produced. So. I just want to contrast how Grand Seiko does business and how Rolex does business, right? I mean, Rolex is great. And, you know, I know they're, they're you know very technically proficient. I'm not going to bash Rolex. Um, I think they're a great brand, but at the same time, look, you know, at Grand Seiko, you're getting a spring drive movement, a technology that nobody else has on the planet. And look, that completely changed the game as far as I'm concerned for watches and you're getting no nonsense marketing. They're not, they're not putting you in a wait list because they can, you know, and they know that you're going to wait you know, so I just want to point that out. You know, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that, Sanj, but it's well, a different I way mean, to do business. Is, you know, it's pretty we... straightforward.
1: You have to see how much, mo- I mean, the production volumes of each brand, per se. I mean, I, I, I don't know how much uh, Rolex makes as a volume on, you know, like, say, the subs and, and Daytonas. And I don't know how many watches even Grand Seco makes. Um, but I give them full credit. I mean... It is, you know, kind of a pain to just wait on a watch for, you know, up to two years.
0: It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I mean, if you have That'll... the money and and you you want to get one, I don't see why you should wait anything. Six months, maybe. I I don't, I don't even know what you know. This is a, this is the most favorite brand in the world. Okay, this is one of the biggest you know companies in the world. You can absolutely increase production if you wanted to.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, you like, know? You know, and
0: the they're not. Name...
1: Yeah. Yeah, the brand is is up there with, like, say, Apple. I mean, imagine Apple saying this, yeah, we're not increasing production on our iPhones. And You know, they're doing it as a deliberate thing. I mean, they're trying to churn out as much iPhones as they can.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the insane thing is that the the difference I wanted to show you is that, hey, you know, Grand Seiko is actually pushing the technology, you know, when you have, like, a high beat or a spring drive movement. You know, can Rolex say the same thing? Maybe they do something in alloys, you know,
1: maybe... But you know Yeah, uh, they, they do focus on the material side on, on their watch.
0: A lot of their challenges is... a lot of the changes year on year is purely cosmetic. Like they're changing the font. Like, you know,
1: I don't know. I've I've soured yeah, on You it. fell for it though because yeah, you really I... wanted the Batman.
0: <laughs> I did want <laughs> uh, the Batman. GMT. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. uh Yeah, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of show that contrast there. And and look, I'll I'll put a I'll put a uh I'll put a link to the video uh and article. But yeah, the Rolex shortages are going to continue indefinitely, and it seems like it's part of the corporate strategy to basically have people stay in line because it, it creates buzz and people, you know, the secondary value goes up and the demand goes up because people want it even more, um, which I think is ridiculous. But
1: it's like you know when you know in your college days where you know you're standing in line for a club, and you know you get in there, you see the line, and you you think it's it's really, you know. a a great club to go into with you know music and and the atmosphere and you would still wait till 15 minutes before closing
0: yeah no but usually those clubs are the worst and full of rats and you know syringes on the ground so forget it you know that should tell you something
1: (laughs) i don't know what clubs you went to uh i surely did not go to those
0: i found some gems Um, in the lower east side yeah
1: but to be fair, I mean, Rolex is not the equivalent of syringes and, and broken glass. I mean, they are an excellent watch. <laughs> to be fair, yes. <laughs> to be fair. Yes. Yeah. All right. So you talked about the four season watches. Now we're going to go jumping back to another dive watch, which we I said has uh, a bit of a disappointment in certain aspects, but... I, I still give him credit for releasing it. And it's the Omega Seamaster Planet Ocean 600 meters.
0: And okay. All right.
1: So, relatively speaking, the Planet Ocean um, actually only came out in 2000s, in the 2000s, I think, believe 2005.
0: Really? Okay.
1: Yeah, it's actually a very recent lineup in the uh, Seamaster collection. Okay. Um, we all know the Omega Seamaster has been there since, like, 1940s. Um, and, you know, it, it was made famous in in the modern era with through James Bond. But the CMA, the Planet Ocean was another addition to the collection. And the one thing I give the Planet Ocean uh, credit for is the use of color. Yeah. Uh, they went wild and funky. A lot of orange. Brought... Yes, exactly. Orange. They brought orange back. Um, it, it screams, you know, back in the day, that was like a vintage 70s color of choice.
0: Yeah, Doxa, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, Doxa. And and to be fair, though, I mean, like, if you use... Orange is, they they say, is the most visible color when diving and going deeper into the waters. Yeah. Um, so there was some technical reason probably as well. Yeah. Um, so the Planet Ocean is also a very well-capable c- watch. Yeah. Um, it goes to 600 meters, which is very impressive. You'll, you will be crushed to death even at that depth. Um, and it began as a, a 42 millimeter watch with the helium escape valve on the 10 o'clock, and uh, they, they called it the Caliber 2500. But what they did was they modified an ETA 2892. Yeah. And the bezel was an aluminum insert, and it was in either black or bright orange, and which which is really interesting because it to me it caters to a different crowd now. You know, it, it shows, like, it's a very directed towards, like, a youth-oriented sports watch.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, the difference here, if you look at the earlier Planet Ocean mo- models, was that they had a black dial, right? This is a white dial?
1: Yes. I will come to that. Yeah. Um, and then it there were only a, a few rev- uh, evolutions. Um, and there was one that became... Instead of aluminum, there was one with ceramic bezels and uh, fully in-house movement. They called it the Caliber 8500. Yeah. And in 2016, they did a major update to the watch, where they increased the size from which I mentioned 42 to 43 and a half, ceramic dials, rubber and ceramic bezels, and you know upgrades to the bracelet, and the, the the use case of the watch. Um, they also improved the. Caliber, which is now a Caliber 8900, which is a uh, master chronometer certified. Um, however, one thing, if you noticed, is that the orange was missing. Oh. They, they got, Yeah, they got rid of a lot of the orange. Uh, they kept it on the 6, 9, and 12 uh, indexes, but okay. uh, nowhere else. Yeah. So what Omega decided to do is bring back orange. They wanted to make orange great again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or MOGA for short. Yeah. Um, So that is their newest update. So what they did was they took the 2016 watch and added a lot more orange to it. And they also introduced a new dial, which is a white dial. It's basically a zirconium dioxide dial uh, like they did back in, you know, like the dark side of the moon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: It is, you know, on the planet ocean 600 meters. And not only the bezel is is orange, but the applied markers are also orange as well.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: So a really, you know, an update and and to cater to, you know, more a crowd that's also, you know, more into color. Let's just say, you know, typically a lot of dye watches are what? Black dial, black bezel, white markers. Yeah. This one has completely, you know, changed the processor and what a dye watch can be.
0: So what do you think? What do you think, Sanch? Would you go for the new
1: one or would you go for the oh, old yeah. one? Over the no, old actually, one? No, I'll go for this one. I'll go for this one. I really dig it.
0: Interesting. So I actually like the – so if you look at in the Motochrome article that you sent, there's an evolution of the Seamaster, Planet Ocean 600, the three watches with the orange bezel, the black bezel. Yes. So I actually like the third one with the, with the orange 12, 6, and 9. I think that would be my favorite. That would be a
1: tough one. Which one I would choose? Because,
0: because the the orange is not too much. It's it's subdued. It's still a black watch for the most part, but you have a little splash of color. I I think that's probably the best. Because you know, to be honest, I don't. When it's in white like this, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of this one. I'm not feeling it. You're not feeling it, huh? Interesting. Yeah, it just gives me like a Rolex Explorer kind of Explorer Two Polar, you know, that kind of feel. But it it just. Um, yeah, I don't know something about it. I I prefer that that black on black with the 12, 6,
1: and nine in orange. Right. Now, if the dial was black on on this new release, would you take it still or no?
0: Let me see. Let me let me let me use my the power of imagination. Well, if it was black, it would be close to what I want. <laughs>
1: It'd be close <laughs> to the one that I chose. So, yeah, right, but the it. the one that you chose does not have the orange bezel. It's just a uh, gray. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Mm. Yeah, actually, no, I would be very
0: happy with the orange bezel. I I like the orange bezel; it doesn't bother me. It's the white dial that bothers me.
1: This also proves that your imagination needs improvement,
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> or my eyesight—one of the two. Both. Yeah. We're getting older.
1: Yeah, but it, it it looks
0: pretty cool, and you know, I'm, I uh, I don't hate it. I you know, it, it was just a personal taste. What do you think? Do you, is That would be the, you'd take the new one.
1: And now that I look at the. The older Evolution. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say. So the third watch, which is the one you liked and the one I also like is, is, is just, you know, the 2016 update. Yes. And they still, we will sell that. This is just another one adding it to the collection. Right, right. So the one thing I can say is that the one that we like with the black dial, um, that is a more of an everyday watch. Did you just you say we? That. Did you just say we? So you like it too? Oh, I do like it. I would <laughs> pick it from an everyday point of view. <laughs> I like that you However, agree
0: with me very sur- surreptitiously. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> However, that being said, I do give Omega full credit for going and giving it, you know, a white dial. You
0: know, yeah. Uh,
1: something that, that bursts out. That, that You can notice it from a mile away.
0: So, I mean, if you Google the Rolex Polar Explorer and look at that side by side, you should get a very similar feeling.
1: Yeah. The only thing is that I'm not a fan of... I would take the Omega over the Explorer, not to like side against... How dare you? No, The only reason is that I'm always 50-50 on the Mercedes hands.
0: Yes. I'm not a fan of
1: the Mercedes Sense.
0: I guess they're called Cathedral Hands. I'm not a fan. Yeah, that's the thing. It just I'm never it fan. never works for me. I don't know why people like them. I don't know why they're still around.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the only reason. Um, okay. Apart from that, I really did like the Explorer too.
0: But, but you get the same feeling, right? I guess that's my point.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So. Um, so this is where the biggest disappointment is. What do you got? And it's the fact that you can either get it in steel bracelet. Or a funky NATO strap.
0: Okay, what's the disappointment? Well, what's the problem?
1: You can't get them, they're sold separately.
0: Oh, okay.
1: That is the problem.
0: Well, you know, I've got a rule, and I think this is a good rule to live by, is that when you have the option to get the bracelet, get the bracelet.
1: I agree with that rule. Yeah. However, how much does a NATO cost? Nothing. Like ten Why bucks. can't they just add it?
0: Yeah, they they would rather. I mean, it's ten bucks in the real world. Omega will charge you two hundred bucks for it.
1: Yeah. So the price on the on the NATO for the watch is um, it's in euro, but it's probably you know not that different from U.S. dollars. It's fifty eight hundred euro.
0: Yeah.
1: And the bracelet's sixty one hundred euro. Yep. I would still take the bracelet from a, but I wish they included. They should just made it sixty one hundred euro and just threw in the braid that they need.
0: Look, it. I'm going to tell you this right now, right? The Newmark watch that I got came with two straps. They didn't have to. That's what I was referring to, throw, to. Yeah, they didn't have to throw a single strap in. It would have been fine. They threw yeah. in two straps, and one exactly. of them was personalized with, with the Newmark logo on the clasp, and you know, with the leather inside. They did that. So there's no reason Omega can't. It's just a question of they don't want to. So
1: exactly, and that's the disappointment. I mean, come on.
0: Listen, pay up.
1: Pay up, you cheap son of a gun. You got to pay to play. Pay to play. Uh, right. But I don't think you would still pick this watch because if you notice, it's got a very large exhibition case back.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that is a bit of... You know what? Deal I never, breaker. I never hated them. I think it just doesn't work on a dive watch. Because you it, hate them. I don't hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate them. I just don't think they work on a dive watch. That's all. So...
1: One thing I give Omega credit for is the, the, the size of the exhibition case back. It's huge. Yeah. It's like the entire case back. Itself.
0: That's not a good thing. Yeah.
1: So I have seen Planet Oceans and in, 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 like, say, the Omega store. And, yeah, it is really massive how big this case back is.
0: Yeah. I mean, our cousin has the Planet Ocean chronograph. And it's a big watch. It's a big watch in general. So. Yes. Yeah so it's uh i like it you know i i like the Seamaster 300 line um so that's more the direction i go into but um looking at the evolution of the planet oceans i would i would have picked that i t- was a 2016 update the third one yeah.
1: yeah yeah i believe so
0: that's my that's my pick
1: yeah that that seems like a watch you can wear every day this seems like a watch that you can wear on like weekends
0: you know, to be honest, let's talk about that. I mean, to be honest, it, do we hew to any of those rules? Like, you know, I I wore my new mark with a suit the other day. I, it, you know, I it's a NATO. It, you know, I don't care. Like, what are these rules? Like, who cares? Because uh, I, I no. never want. I never wear a dress watch. So it, it, why why can't I?
1: <laughs> yeah, I. I agree with you. It's just that, you know, like, would you wear this Omega with the NATO strap um, at a gala affair in, you know, in, you know, with high profile, high society kind of types?
0: Well, sure. I mean, why not? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a problem. I'll, I'll be honest. I take a much more expensive view on that. Unless it's, like, the only thing, only exception I could think of is the orange, like, you know, orange samurai that I have, or, like, an orange doxa. Like, I could see why wearing that with the suit might be too much pop. But, like, anything else, like, I don't really, I don't feel that problem.
1: Interesting, because I would actually rock an o- orange doxa with the... Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With the, with the, with the bracelet um, versus this platinum ocean with the strap.
0: Interesting, interesting. So, really, the strap and the bracelet, huh?
1: That's the that's the main difference. Uh, to me, that is the key difference. Depending on the like the environment that I'm in. All
0: right, man. do I wear
1: a strap? Do I wear a bracelet?
0: Interesting. Actually, speaking of bracelets, um, the the new um, Omega Speedmaster Apollo Eleven fiftieth anniversary that we covered last episode, um, I'm not sure if that bracelet's going to be for sale separately to put on your Omega Speedmaster, Um, but I'm pretty sure, I mean, there are rumors that that bracelet's going to be, like, hundreds of dollars if it's sold separately. Like,
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Like, $500. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised seeing how Omega decides, Decide, you know, Omega doesn't even want to drop with this. Come
0: on. Yeah, yeah. that's too much you know that's too much i you know i I was actually i love that bracelet and i was thinking of getting that for the speedy but uh you know i can't justify spending 400 500 bucks on that that's just insane
1: i mean you can't justify it you just won't be approved by your wife
0: no i i can't justify it to myself that's the price of another watch like why why would i do that that is true that is true it just seems like really wasteful so I, that's my that's my two cents. But all right, Sanch, sounds good.
1: Planet Great Ocean. watch, but disappointment on the way they packaged it. All right, I'm
0: going to give you something that's going to be like hot sauce on your sandwich. You ready for this? Giver. Giver. All right. The Tissot Heritage 1973 chronograph. Ooh, all right. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. So Tissot brought back a 70s era racing chronograph that they had. Uh, it's a reissue of a chronograph that was worn by the race car driver, Loris Kessel. Do you know what that is? Familiar?
1: Actually, I have no idea who this guy is. Um,
0: Apparently he was however, a race that car being driver. Said,
1: that being said, uh, he was a race car driver. It looks like he was in Formula One. Yeah. Um, I'm not too familiar with the race car drivers from the 70s. So,
0: So, I don't want
1: to bash the guy for if he's been successful I'm just not familiar. For
0: all we know, he's a world champion. You have
1: no idea. Anyway, that he isn't. (laughs) That I can tell you he is not.
0: Tussaud worked with Kessel Racing
1: um,
0: with the son of Loris, Ronnie, to bring this watch back. Um, So, just visually, for people that can't see it, you know, it's a cushion case, it's a panda with uh, orange seconds hand and orange hands at the sub-dials, uh, date window at 4.30. Um, very attractive case. Comes with a rally strap leather. Um, it's got a tachymeter scale on, on the rim. It's got a very, um, very, very vintage feel to it for a very new watch, right? Um, 7753 value movement. Um, automatic movement on there. Um, very attractive, I've got to say. Um, I really like it. I'm not a big Tissot fan. Um, but, uh, you know, this may be the exception here. What do you think, Sensh?
1: I love this watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It screams like it has everything that I, I really like color, panda, chronograph, racing. Racing. The only problem is. The availability. Why is that? It's limited to 1973 pieces. 1,973 pieces. So
0: you got almost 2,000 chances to get this thing. What's the problem?
1: uh, It's all sold out. It's probably on the second hanging market for a markup. (laughs) It's toast. You know,
0: One thing you got to say, and this came out from Tissot... Um, with the you know obviously, Swatch wasn't at the uh, Baselworld this year, so they had their own time to move thing, their own event, and this came out to relatively little fanfare. I guess Omega got all the all the fanfare, but I got to tell you, this is a very attractive watch. Uh, this is like it's the a first very,
1: very attractive
0: first to sell watch that I'm looking at and being like, wow, this is like actually a very cool original design that uh screams history and screams racing and panda and screams everything uh it's it's awesome, I really dig it
1: so one thing though, and I think we might be able to come to the same conclusion together so if you notice the three registers, yeah, so if you notice two of them on the three o'clock and six o'clock have orange hands,
0: yes whereas the nine
1: o'clock has a white hand and it looks like it's uh it's not a flat surface it's kind of indented
0: they're all indented
1: they're all stepped out oh okay i guess it's the picture of the watch that i'm looking at sorry
0: yeah and so i guess the nine o'clock one is a running seconds hand and the other two are for the chronograph i guess exactly i think okay. that's
1: you've hit it on the nail i believe that's what they've done it for seconds, and i minutes, like minutes yeah yeah i like that level of detail because when you easy you know when you look at the watch, and you say if you're running a chronograph for some reason to time your pizzas, sure, um, you can easily identify which registers to look at by just this color.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty clever uh, way to do it. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a fan. I got to tell you, so and I like the the old Tissot logo they brought back for it. Um, yes, I don't like this. Yes. T- you know, to be honest, I don't. I'm not a big fan of the new Tissot logo. I'm I'm not. But the old one. It, it's got some charm to it
1: yeah i mean this screams vintage i mean if you were to look at it for the first time you would think this is directly from the 70s
0: yeah yeah i dig it
1: so uh all right and and once again you will another deal breaker is this has also got an exhibition case back
0: well, it's not a diverse inch. So I don't have
1: any it's it's diverse specifically that I feel exhibition case backs are ridiculous
0: because it's an extra point of failure that you don't need, right? But when you, you have sound a great, like an
1: engineer Well, it's an engineering game. I am the us. engineer out of the two of them. Yeah,
0: you 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 got your head in the clouds. I'm more realistic, okay? It's an extra point of failure you don't need. So,
1: pilot's watch with exhibition case back, oh, I don't want. it. It's going to pop out. <laughs> Dive take it. Diver with an exhibition case back. I don't want it. <laughs> so basically, you want a watch like this that is only meant for the ground. I'm okay with
0: that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. It works. It works. Yeah, no, I I really like this watch. I I gotta tell you, I'm uh, Tissot turns me off for a whole lot of reasons. A lot of the watches I find are kind of unimaginative and just sort of blah. This one, I really like. I gotta tell you, I I really hope this is uh, you know a sign of more to come.
1: I hope so too. I just wish they would make more of these. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, who knows? Maybe on the secondary market it won't be too expensive. Maybe they won't sell out. You never
1: know. Uh, how much is this? What? It's about.
0: I think twenty-two fifty. Twenty-two. Twenty-two
1: fifty. Yeah.
0: Which is, you know, not unreasonable. And if it's secondary market, and it it doesn't become a cult classic, you know, you could get one for a pretty good price, maybe.
1: I hope it doesn't become a cult classic, just know? so you I can wonder get if people it. yeah, exactly, yeah, um, only because you know I wonder if people will be dissuaded by the fact that it's a just so I don't know, but uh, you said that it was not a big didn't get much of a fanfare in the Omega event, so
0: it came out with relative crickets, so you know, you know interpret that how you may, but you know maybe no one uh, no one even paid attention.
1: All right. Well, you know? All let's right. hope for the let's hope for depreciation. Let's hope for failure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Zach, what do you got left? What do you got next? All right, so the last watch I want to mention about here is the Zodiac Topper Jewel Sea Wolf Limited Editions.
0: Ooh, another Topper Limited Edition. Yeah, the
1: Topper has been on a roll with these. Uh, They're killing
0: it. They're killing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. the
1: Topper Ninja. Yeah. The um, what Zodiac. So didn't they do their Aerospace GMT with through Topper? Or that, that was
0: not Topper. No, that was, that was not edition, Topper. But uh, yeah, that wasn't Topper. But Top, Topper's done a few. They did the Hamilton Field Watch that you did last That's time. That's right. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So yeah, they, they've been killing it.
1: So they worked with uh, Zodiac's work with Topper Jewelers and Eric Singer, who is of KISS fame. Yeah, I don't know if you're a Kiss fan or not. Um, and they decided to bring a trio of Sea Wolves and in very funky setups. Um, so there's two of them. They're like, let's just say they're the rally version. Why they're the rally version is that the bezel has a checkered pattern. Yeah, and you can either get one of them in the yellow and black checkered. So yellow background with uh, markings in black and or uh, blue and white bezel with okay. the check pattern. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, the one other cool thing is that it's got a somber style that darkens towards the edge of the dial.
0: Interesting. Okay. Um,
1: and the hands are very unique um, to the other one, which I'll talk about in a second. It looks like these shovel hands, let's just say. Um, but it's very unique. Uh, it's very unique to the watch. It, it screams vintage. Yeah. Um The other thing is it's running on a Jubilee bracelet. If you noticed.
0: Yeah. So the Rally ones are in Jubilee, and the and the third yes. watch, which you haven't described yet, is on. No, a, I have not described is it an Oyster? I, just I guess right now. or an H H Link?
1: Yeah. So it's Oyster in quotations because that is uh, Rolex. Trademarked name slash design slash everything. Yeah, they will do anything to trademark their designs. Sure, sure. Um, the third watch is a Super Sea Wolf. It's a it's not a sunburst style. It's a textured black dial with like sword hands, and it's got a different bezel. It's a more traditional dive watch. Okay. Uh, so we'll post a link up there from Warren Mount that uh, described the the watches in a bit more detail. Um, the one unique thing with the the one that is the texture dial, or the Super Sea Wolf, is that the three, six, nine, and twelve, they have like an applied marker with the numeral inside it, which is very unique.
0: Huh. Okay,
1: got it. So,
0: which one would you other pick? Cool. Which one would you pick? What's your? What's I
1: cool would one? actually pick the yellow.
0: That's color. what I was going to say too. Yeah, I think so too.
1: But to be honest, I wouldn't pick any of the three. What? Really? Why? Uh, let me, hear me out, hear yeah. me out. It just doesn't, it's not literally my cup of tea. Okay. With the, the look of the watch. However, that being said, um, I give Zodiac really? full credit for releasing unique, uh, a unique watch. You know, you seem to give your watch. credit to a lot
0: of watch companies for doing things, and I don't think they really care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: think they give Listen. We are reviewing watches, so yeah. yeah let yeah. me speak my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: No, but um, yeah, no, I give them full credit. Um, You know, it's yellow. I mean, when, when was the last time you saw a new release that had yellow bezel you know, speaking, or yellow dial?
0: Speaking dime? of Zodiac with colors, I think you and I both are still kind of heartbroken slash butthurt about the Aerospace GMT gulf colors, the gulf yes. combination, because... You know, it, honestly, Sanj, and you know, I don't say this because it's an it's a pretty expensive buy; it's fifteen hundred bucks. But if that watch was still available, I would find it very difficult not to buy one. I would jump on it. Right, I would find the money. I would like raid the savings account to get one. Um, so yeah, I think the yellow here. I I like the yellow rally. I think both of us kind of chose that the splash of color because we're remembering that aerospace GNT. But uh, yeah. You know, we, I, that's what I want
1: Zodiac to really release. TBH. Yeah. Yes, I really hope so too. Um, so, this is only sold through Topper Jewelers. Yeah. And so, it's limited in that sense, but they never release the amount or the number of timepieces that they're trying to sell. Interesting. Partly uh, based from the article that um, I looked up. So, that being said, um, for the price, it's 1500 bucks.
0: Which isn't bad for a professional watch. No,
1: and yeah. the movement is COSC certified. That's awesome. So it's a highly accurate watch, well executed, very well executed. Yeah. Um, limited and you know unique, and uh, you can't go wrong. I mean, like Jubilee bracelet for this price, fantastic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I uh, I find it very attractive. I I, re- I really dig it. I really dig it. I, I I'm really getting into Zodiac right now. Um, and they have a line called the Jetomatic, um, which you know people can look up online, and that is also a very attractive, uh, you know, three hand watch. Um, they, they just have funky designs. I re- I really dig them. I, I'm really yeah, into it. like
1: they're they're doing something to you know, bring some unique colors and unique, you know styles to the watch game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I'm they're doing something different and I really like that. And you know, post purchase by Fossil, they're still they're still kicking butt. So, you know Yeah, and we
1: we're... talked about this and you know in our Basel World episode that and how, how
0: wrong we were to even judge them, you know, but uh yeah.
1: And like the fact that Fossil seems to be giving them full autonomy to do what they want to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I uh, yeah, I'm very impressed. Very impressed. Very cool, Sanch. All right. So are we ready for our next segment?
1: Yes. So this is gonna be a new segment. New segment.
0: That... Ding 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 yep. ding. What do we got?
1: So the segment's gonna be called Watcha Buying
0: Watch on Works.
1: Uh so clever. Yeah. It took it took a lot of time. It took hours.
0: We 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 went to a focus group. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. we had we had a mood room full of pictures and, and, <laughs> and designs um, to come up with this game. Yeah. So the purpose of the segment is to scour the internet for watch deals, really, and just talk about it in the episode. And so I'm gonna start off with the first one, which is a Seiko Samurai, which is a fan favorite of ours. And it's actually the SRPCO7 which is the watch you got Tommy.
0: That's right, it's the orange samurai. That's right.
1: Yeah. So, out of all places in the world, Macy's has a deal where you can get this particular samurai for a total of $262.50. Wow. 50,
0: wow. That is a very good deal. That is yeah. that's about 40 bucks cheaper than I paid. If I remember. You should have waited then. Or maybe 30 bucks. Yeah
1: should have waited six months that's right (laughs) oh that's great that's great wow okay yeah no i mean use your macy's gift card or credit card to save additional if you still have one yes 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 do they have other seikos on sale cinch they do but this one they actually have other samurais on sale but
0: this is the one with the best price
1: yeah, this is the one with the best price. I don't know if people are buying it or they just want to get rid of it.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So
1: I am tempted to buy it, but you have forbade me. And No, you can buy it. The buy it. Just You just have to tell everybody that you're copying me. That's all. Uh, no, this is. we can call it the official Land Jam podcast watch.
0: No, that's BS. You have to say you, you're copying me. That's how this works, right? Mm. <laughs> no, you can. Go for it. Actually, there's an extra 15% off with the code here code oh. sunday yeah it's even cheaper
1: yeah i gotta get Karen's do it Sanj, do it i know i know not that big a purchase come on it's like lunch i two uh, 230 lunch my wall street or my blue collar? i guess
0: i guess i'm wall street here
1: huh wall street i got my Boston. three martini lunch that's what it is <laughs> No, no, excellent price. I mean, would you agree?
0: Yeah, that's a great. That's a great deal. Um, Amazon has it. Um, that's where I got it from, and
1: um, I paid close to three hundred
0: for it, which Correct. I thought was a
1: good deal. Um, yeah, we we went back and forth, and and yeah, I agree with you. Even three hundred was a good deal. Yeah, I mean, Macy's has the list price of five hundred and twenty-five bucks, which is quite a bit, um, given how you. Actually, Given how that Amazon buy... Prime has it for 26250 right now. Oh really? For
0: the same watch. Yeah.
1: Is it do they retail it as five twenty five though?
0: They it's cut from five twenty five,
1: correct. Yeah. Which is a lot because we know that you can get like say um samurais for lower than five twenty five, but this seems to be like the best deal.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. It it's it's a great deal. Um yeah. And actually, you get a better deal from Macy's because it's 15% off on top of that. So I would buy it from Macy's.
1: So this is proper consumer advice. This
0: is good advice. All right. For, for once, we're not just wasting people's time.
1: All right. So what do you have, Tommy?
0: All right. So I actually have two. Um because, okay, this is a little peek behind the curtain for people. Curtain for people. Uh, we were supposed to tape this episode a couple of days back, so I, I actually was tracking a Seiko SPB zero seven seven, basically the Seiko Brain Master two hundred on eBay. Um, there was a specific deal that was going for like, I think 400 or 500 bucks, which was fantastic. Um, so I had that, but unfortunately because our good friend Sanchez took too long, uh, that deal
1: lapsed. So I can't show you that, but I was enjoying the barbecue on the summer solstice.
0: Um, I'm not sorry. Yeah, some people snooze, some people get after it, you know, so you snooze, you lose. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm going to give you something else. So on eBay, I actually found a uh, 1970s original um, Omega Speedmaster Mark IV automatic chronograph. Um, so I have the link here. You can you can look it up. Uh, it's two days left in the auction. They're asking 1,299, but I can tell you for a fact that um, he listed it for 1,200, and there are no takers. So um, if you messaged him and you know you know pushed a hard bargain maybe you could even get it for under a grand um, wow, for okay. an original omega speedmaster mark IV. so uh you know just for people at home you know obviously the case is different it, the dial uh is the same uh black actually it's not the the automatic movement has um, a different subdial so it's at 12 6 and 9 uh and yeah is this
1: a lemania movement
0: this is the lemania 5100 i believe yeah so it has the day date as well. Um, what I meant with the dial being the same is that it's got the same layout generally, uh,
1: the black and right. white.
0: Yeah, um, it's not with again, the
1: tachymetric scale uh, surrounding the dial.
0: Correct. So it should give you the same warm and fuzzy feeling of the Omega Speedmaster Professional, but you're getting an automatic uh, Speedmaster. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really cool. Um, I've, sandwiched a little secret between you and me. I've been starting to track uh automatic speed masters now uh not the black one I obviously i have the professional so i'm not going to get one but something maybe a little colorful so i'm looking for the schumacher series you know whatever is out there so uh nice. this one i don't know how out. it's a
1: secret when we're about to publish this episode um <laughs> <laughs> secret between you me and you know all our listeners yes so the mark four i mean just to just and another minute to dwell on the Mark IV. It was not a very well-accepted watch. Is that, am I right in saying that?
0: Yeah, I think as far as the Mark series watches, the only ones that really got accepted were the Mark II. So the Mark II Professional, which was the black and white, that would looked right. like the Speedmaster Professional, and uh, the Racing. Um, three and four never made it. 4.5, I think, was kind of popular. Um, yeah. That was also a Mania 5100 movement. I think the case was different from the Speedmaster Mark IV. Um, The weird one is the Mark V, which was the Speedmaster Teutonic, which was only available in Germany. It had a white bezel, um, white tachymeter around it, a steel tachymeter, no black, uh, which is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, these ones were not very popular, and you can tell because the price isn't that crazy. But... You're, yeah. getting, you're getting a legitimate Speedmaster professional for, you know, a very good price. So, you know, that's the trade-off. I, I think they look really cool.
1: I still think they're really cool, though. The, the, the bracelet's really unique. Um, it's got, like, that Space Age, 70s-themed Space Age.
0: Yeah, you, you're you going... Yeah, I mean, look, these are the cheaper, you know, stamped steel bracelets that Omega used to make. But, you know, those are the ones that made it to the moon, you know, back in the day. So, you know, there's that's the trade-off, but... Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I dig this watch. So yeah, watch you buy Check it out.
1: All right. Excellent, excellent. So All right. now to our next part of the show is Streaming Gold.
0: All right. So I think it's just my pick. Um, so if you have Amazon Prime, this is free for you. It's a show called Zero Hour. Um, Zero Hour is basically the last hour in a crisis. So they do, you know, Chernobyl, they do nine eleven. 11 The episode that I really enjoyed was uh, an episode called Shootout in Marseille, uh, which is the 1994, uh, you know, plane got hijacked in the Middle East, it got flown to Paris, uh, flown to France, I mean, in Marseille. And uh, the crisis developed over one hour, and the decision to yes, yes, yes. Do you remember yes, this? Remember. They, they, yes, they had to use commandos to storm the plane. It is fantastic. Um, uh, I won't spoil how that played out, but it's uh, zero hour does a great job of like showing every step uh, on the way how how they made decisions to okay, we need to storm the plane. So it's a...
1: yeah, they stormed the plane with the GIGS there. Yeah, with the GIG, and but also they they came in, you know through you know the the
0: the moving stairs
1: yeah the moving stairs that's what sorry that's i was right. trying to find the right name for it but it was the moving stairs where the vehicles would have the stairs so you can get on to the plane but yeah that's it's, how they it's awesome
0: yeah they, they they recreate the the shootout with a plane and they also have footage from the actual shootout because it was actually playing out live in french television while it happened
1: um so. i actually remember this do you really Yes, because it was aired live. Yeah. Um, I don't remember, and I can't prove the fact that I saw it actually live, but I remember the news reports and looking at this with my brother, um when it happened in 1994 that's like the day awesome. it happened.
0: that's awesome so yeah you should uh, you should check it out it's called shoot on marseille episode in the show zero hour it's uh free on amazon prime can't recommend it enough it's really good uh, and you should check out the other episodes too i mean they just pick a different crisis than do the last hour before things really hit the fan so
1: sweet, sweet. And now to our last section of the episode closing notes <laughs> All right. So closing
0: notes. Uh, What do I got? I got Apollo in real time, uh, which is a website. Um, Basically I'll I'll include the link, but it's Apollo 11. Um, You can follow the Apollo 11 mission, the full, you know, week they were in space minute by minute. Um, They have all the radio uh, radio conversations between Houston and uh, Apollo 11. And they have, Uh, pictures and video to go along with that so you can see in real time how that mission played out from launch to landing on the moon to splashdown so it's really cool
1: awesome fine no i'm really gonna give that a try um and and check it out that that that, that's a really sweet like someone took the effort to put it all together
0: you know yeah it's a lot of work and uh i know you haven't seen apollo 11 yet um but i want to plug that again because uh the apollo 11 anniversary is about a month away so it's going to be a big deal so um, oh, for sure. If you yeah. have Amazon or, you know, video on demand, I would really, you know, definitely check out Apollo 11, the documentary. It's fantastic.
1: Yep. Sweet. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yep. Um, the one I'm going to talk about is actually a movie. Ooh. And it's Ford versus Ferrari.
0: Nice. Yeah, um, I saw these, the well, promo. It looks awesome.
1: Yeah. So they just, I think it was a couple of weeks ago that they just released the trailer for it. And it's not really in streaming gold because it hasn't even come out yet. So we decided to put in closing notes. But I decided to post the Jalopnik article. And I also threw in a Wikipedia article on the Ford GT40, um, which is the vehicle that Ford built to race and win at Le Mans. And, you know, it was one of the all-time great racing cars to in just in all of motorsport, not just you know sports car racing, to to be such so dominant. Yeah. But anyways, the movie highlights the the 1966 battle at Le Mans. Is so long story short, um, just to give listeners a very very high level background, um, Ford was in the midst of purchasing Ferrari, and then Ferrari backed out at the last minute because. If I remember correctly, Enzo Ferrari was balked at the fact that if Ford were to buy out Ferrari, they wanted the racing team, and yeah. Enzo Ferrari could not direct the racing team. And as soon as he heard that, he argued and then just walked out. So um, Henry Ford Jr. or the Ford Company, uh, you know, they they got angry at this. <laughs> This 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 uh, whole crumble of negotiations. And they wanted to beat Ferrari on their home turf. So they spent obscene amounts of dollars. Who knows how much they spent. But to, to beat Ferrari at Le Mans. And in 1966, they succeeded. Actually, not only did they succeed, they came 1, 2, and 3. Nice. So the movie is coming out on November 15th, I believe. And it was played by Matt Damon and Christian Bale.
0: Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and yeah, I highly encourage you, listeners out there, to go check it out when it comes out. But also, get a quick background on, on you know, how much Ford went through to build uh, the GT40 to succeed, because they actually were bust for a couple of years before they turned to Carroll Shelby and. Ten miles to further develop the car.
0: Nice. So that's awesome. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't wait to see it. I think it's gonna
1: be. Uh, it's gonna be
0: awesome. I, you know, it's like a very dude movie, but uh, you know, I think yeah, it's gonna no, be great. Think, yeah, for you know, sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I hope they, you know, they the shows. You know, it's probably difficult to do, but if they can bring back the cars that actually raced. Mans, that'll be sweet, yeah, yeah, you know, in some shots, they're probably definitely not gonna like drive them or race them because it's just far too valuable,
0: right, right, yeah, that's awesome, yeah, I can't wait to see it um all right, so i I think the last closing note I have is an article actually, um I think a couple of weeks ago it was the seventy fifth anniversary of uh d day and uh, the Atlantic actually issued an article that uh, was written in the 1960s um, called First Wave at Omaha Beach," and it's basically a commentary on the first units that landed at Omaha Beach and what happened to them. Um, it's interesting because a lot of people in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War in the 50s and 60s didn't realize how much of a bloodbath Omaha Beach was and what happened there. You know, it's kind of just got kind of brushed away. People minimized the casualties and. Um, You know, I think most people saw movies like The Longest Day and everything looked kind of neat and tidy. And you didn't realize the carnage and kind of like what people had to overcome to survive and, you know, win there. Um, So this article is one of the first uh, it's early enough that this is, you know, in the 60s where people were realizing what actually happened in Omaha Beach and how that played out. Um, It's a fantastic read. I'd highly recommend it. Um, It's really interesting how he tracks Unit by unit, where they landed and what happened to those units. Like, how many men actually survived? How many men actually did something positive? Like, actually fought back and actually, you know, weren't just shot in the beach and killed. So,
1: uh... right. I mean, mean, the whole D-Day operation, it was a, a, a massive operation. Of, I mean, I I cannot imagine how myself how or fathom how massive this operation is. But it was not smooth sailing, and that was the one thing you know a lot of people still don't realize that
0: yeah no it, it was it was very much mixed results i mean uh, the biggest success was that they did land so that that and that's really what counted but uh no i mean look they they were supposed to land a day earlier the weather got in the way they couldn't do it then they landed the day of but they didn't meet all their objectives none of the beaches actually reached all their objectives and there was a lot of uncertainty going into even maybe the first 72 hours, whether this thing was going to succeed. So,
1: right. Um, I mean, there was more than just the, you know, the D-Day, like of say the you know, capturing the beaches, there was also the whole parachuting side of it. And, and yeah, absolutely. That was a bit of a mixed bag.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, and Omaha beach was the beach that was the most in jeopardy and probably the one that saw the most combat. I, I would say fair, fair to say, um, yeah and that that would have been the one if if d-day were to have a failure that that was the point where it could have failed um but is this interesting because the author kind of goes unit by unit and says okay you know so and so landed here you know out of 120 men how how many men actually survived and you know actually did had an impact on the battle you know and, and in some cases it's like two guys out of 100 that actually survived the landing and actually made you know fought back the rest of the guys are right. either dead or you know you know fighting to survive on the beach or in, in the water or something you know so it's uh it's crazy how many people were actually involved and how many how few people actually got off and did something so right it's I mean, fascinating it's amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah so many brave souls
0: yeah uh, so anyway yes yeah, the beach yep
1: just a quick uh, history uh, refresher was Omaha Beach the main beach for the American troops to
0: attack, attack uh, So, or land there, there were five beaches on D-Day, right. two British, one Canadian, and two American. Okay. So there's also Utah Beach as well. And because of what happened on Omaha Beach that day, uh, more troops and equipment were offloaded onto Utah Beach. So that, that was to guarantee the survival of the operation on the western side, the American side. Yeah. So thankfully, that beach work, work, went off relatively well.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting read.
1: Uh, check it out awesome yeah no awesome share
0: all right so i think that's all we had for this week thanks again for joining us on episode 16 of the land jam
1: podcast yeah thank you Uh, for listening and until next time